You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. Bible in hand. The subject this morning, what praise is. What praise is. I'd like for you to stand with me. We're standing in honor of our Lord. This is his word. And I'd like for you to read this 100th Psalm aloud together with me. Brother Ralph, a few moments ago, read a wonderful Psalm of praise. But this morning, we're going to focus our attention on the 100th Psalm as we think together on this subject, what praise is. So let's read it aloud together enthusiastically before the Lord, all right? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Father in heaven, my prayer is that in these next few moments, as you touch the heart of each one of us in this room, you will open our spiritual eyes to truths, new truths about praise. Father, where there is a reluctance to praise you as we ought, show us the reason. And where there is an eagerness to praise you as we ought, show us the way. But Lord, teach us to praise you as we ought. And Father, we're trusting that when we come to the close of this message time, the closing moments of this worship service, so many hearts will be touched and lives will be changed that at this altar will be those who are saying yes, yes to you. And I pray these things in the wonderful and in the matchless and saving name of Jesus who is to be praised. Amen. Thank you. Would you be seated, please? Keep your Bible open to the 100th Psalm as we think together this morning on this subject. What praise is. Now, what I'd like to do in these next few moments is make five statements about praise. All five of these, of course, find their substance in the Scripture which we read together just a few moments ago, the 100th Psalm. In reality, we could turn to any one of dozens of psalms, but we have chosen this morning the 100th Psalm, and from it we will learn what praise is. So here are these statements. First of all, Praise is an acknowledgment. Praise is an acknowledgment. In other words, it is a way of saying what we know about God, what we know about who he is, what we know about what he has done, what we know about the character of God. Look with me, if you will, please, at verse 3, for instance. Know ye, in other words, acknowledge that the Lord is God. Here's what he's done. He has made us. We didn't make ourselves. In fact, we are his people, he says, and the sheep of his pasture. Then look down at verse 5. Here we find some ascriptions of praise to God. The Lord is good. The Lord's mercy is everlasting. The Lord's truth 
endures to all generations. So praise is, first of all, an acknowledgement. Now, I want to make a statement, and I'm going to ask that our folks out in the uh, uh, television truck leave this up on the screen for a while. And here it is. The extent of my praise reveals how well I know the Lord. The extent of my praise reveals how well I know the Lord. Yesterday, Brother Ruff and I were up in Baptist Hospital to see Brother A.V. Money. A.V. and Lita have been members of First Southern for many, many years and have made that uh, trip 33 miles to this church and back home. It's incredible when I think how faithfully they have served the Lord in this church over the years. And now they're not able to get around like they would like. They have been married 61 years, met together in church when he came to know the Lord as a young 18-year-old. And in the, the last couple of times that I have visited with them, and then yesterday as uh, Brother Ruffin and I were visiting, I could not help but be captivated by the incredible zeal with which they love one another. 61 years young. Oh, well, 61 years of married life. And uh, there A.V. was in the hospital bed and Alita was, had her hand over there uh, on his arm and then after a while he took his hand and put it over on her arm. And it was so interesting to me hearing, for instance, him talk of his wife. He, he could not say enough good things about her. And then she would blush and she would say, oh, no. She said, you know, let me tell you about my husband. And we went through a little journey. I mean, to the time that they traveled across the country to see him off when he went off to the military to serve in North Africa. They had a little three-year-old child and how they rode the train and had Christmas over there and all their hopes and dreams. It was incredible to me to hear from them how much they loved each other. But you know something? One of the reasons they could praise each other and did so in just an unashamed fashion. I mean, every once in a while, one of them would say, oh, now we're not perfect. You know, we're not perfect because they were embarrassed. But the truth of the matter is they know each other so well, it was easy for them to speak of one another in words of praise and thanksgiving and adulation. You know, sometimes I meet people, professing Christians, who uh, have a rather skewed look on uh, the whole subject of praise. They say, well, you know, preacher, I'll tell you about churches where they focus on praise and praising the Lord. I think that's a little bit too far. I think that's a little bit fanatical. You know what that does? That actually reveals something about them, not about the Lord and not about a church they might be critical of. It reveals something about them. I'm confident that the more any of us in this room knows of Jesus, the easier it will be for us to praise him. And so praise is, first of all, an acknowledgement. All right, can you remember that? Secondly, praise is an attitude. Praise is an attitude. You cannot help but be captivated by the, the ebullience, the exuberance of the psalmist in this 100th psalm. And listen to the, the various attitudes which are reflected. For instance, we are to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all lands. 
We are to serve the Lord with gladness. We are to come before his presence with singing. Uh, read the Psalms sometimes. You'll discover that, that our activities, our actions are very important, but God is also concerned about our attitude because our attitude is a reflection of what our heart thinks about what we're doing. And so look at this statement, if you will, please. Praise springs from what my heart truly believes regardless of the circumstances in which I find myself. Praise springs from what my heart truly believes regardless of the circumstances in which I find myself. Did you know that um, praise is a, a wonderful expression of this simple fact. I can see through my current circumstances to the other side. And on the other side, I see God. And I know that I am one of his people. I know that I am one of his sheep. And so even though the circumstances of my life might not be particularly enjoyable, I know God is running the show. He's in charge of all this. And so I'm going to praise him. Praise is an attitude. Uh, many times when uh, I, I watch people when they sing, I watch you when you sing, I watch the choir when they sing. Did you know that, that the choir members stop by a little bucket? Now, this is really interesting. James uh, had this bucket put out there in the choir room, and they stop by the bucket on the way in here, and each of them gathers up a handful of rocks. The men put them in this pocket, and they put them in this pocket, and the ladies gather up a, a whole handful of rocks and put them in their purse because if they didn't have those rocks in their pockets, they literally would start floating up off of the platform and out of sight. I mean, it, it, you know, they, I, when I watch them as they sing, it is written across their face. We love you, Jesus. We, what we are doing, we, this praise that we're giving you is an offering unto you. And everything that we do, including the praises of our lips, we want to be pure and holy and acceptable unto you. Praise is an attitude. Now let's look at the third statement. Praise is an acknowledgement. Praise is an attitude. Praise is also and activity. Praise is something we do. It doesn't make any difference what you think if you don't do something about it. It doesn't qualify as praise. Listen to the word thanksgiving. That infers that you've got to give thanks. And as a matter of fact, we sing this song, Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart. I've heard of people who said thank you who didn't have a grateful heart. But you see, unexpressed praise is not praise. It's just that simple. Simple. Look at the words, if you will. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Praise is something we do. Now, I want to make this statement this morning, and I'd like for you to test me on this, and if you find an exception to this rule, I want you to show me in the Scripture. I believe that praise, look at it now, is the ultimate expression of your faith. Praise is the ultimate expression of your faith. Now, someone might say this morning, well, Brother Tom, I believe obedience is the ultimate expression of my faith. 
But did you know that you can obey without a grateful heart? Somebody else might say, well, I believe endurance under hard circumstances. I believe if I endure during the tough times of my life, I believe that's the ultimate expression of your faith. But you know something? I know people who've endured terrible things and done so with a rotten attitude. I mean, you talk to them and they say, well, you know, things are tough. I'm just serving Jesus out here. It's hard to serve Jesus, but I, you know, you know me, I'm just, I love God and I'm just trying to be faithful to God. It sure is hard sometimes, such a stinking life that I'm living, but I'm, you know, I'm faithful. Listen, it is when you add to your obedience praise that you look through the circumstances in which you find yourself. On the other side, as I said a few moments ago, you see God. You can say with Job, though he slay me, yet will I what? I'm going, to, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to believe in him. And so praise is the ultimate expression of your faith. And if you have not come to the point in your life where you constantly express praise to God, you've got some growing to do in your faith. You may consider yourself a man or a woman of great faith. You may have had some incredible experiences that have occurred simply because you have chosen to believe God. You may be, at the, in your mind, the epitome of faith. But unless you cap that off with praise, you've got some growing to do because praise is the ultimate expression of your faith. Let's keep moving. Praise is an acknowledgement. Praise is an attitude. Praise is an activity. Praise is an atmosphere. Praise is an atmosphere. Every once in a while, someone comes to me and says, Brother Tom, let me tell you why I'm having the struggles that I'm having. You see, I grew up in a home where the atmosphere was very critical. All I ever heard were words of criticism, caustic criticism. I was constantly put down in my home. That was the atmosphere in my home. Sometimes someone will come and say, Brother Tom, you know, uh, I know this is a tough time in my life, but I believe I'm going to make it through, and we begin talking, and they'll say something like this. You know, the atmosphere in our home uh, was so positive and so encouraging. I could say that about the home in, in which uh, I was reared. The atmosphere was positive. It was, it was encouraging, encouraging. You see, into the atmosphere, into the environment of your life, there are sown all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of ideas, all kinds of words, and those words become a part of your environment. So that people can say, I grew up in a critical home, or I grew up in a, in a, in a home where there was a, a lot of arguing. That was in the atmosphere. My mother and father argued. A man told me one day, and he said, I, all I remember about home is that the atmosphere was just filled with fighting. But there's a sense in which praise is an atmosphere. There's, a, there's an interesting psalm. And if we have time during this study, I, I'm praying that the Lord will allow me to preach a message on it. It's found in uh, Psalm 22, verse 3. And there it says, listen to this, that God, isn't this interesting? God inhabits the praises of Israel. God inhabits the praises. In other words, the environment in which God loves to live is in an environment of praise, an expression of exaltation and adulation to the Lord. And so there's a sense in which praise is an atmosphere. Now look at this statement. The Lord manifests himself in power and in strength as 
His people offer true praises to him out of a pure heart. When does the Lord manifest himself in power? When does the Lord manifest himself in strength? It is when his people offer unto him true praises out of a pure heart. They're not trying to manipulate God. They're not trying to gimmick him into showing up, but they are offering true praises out of a pure heart. When that happens, the Lord just seems pleased. You can go back through the Scripture. We're going to be studying the passage that deals with Jehoshaphat and why it was that they sent out before the army those who are going to lead them in praises, those who are going to lead them in exaltation. It is because the Lord manifests himself in power. The Lord manifests himself in might. Well, he responds to faith, and praise is the ultimate expression of your faith. And so praise is an atmosphere. As much as I am eager for this church to be known for its love, and I certainly am. And you know we talk about that all the time. People come to me and say, Brother Tom, I've never been to a more friendly church. I felt love the moment I drove on the, on the parking lot. You know, somebody helped me, showed me the way, brought me over here. Preacher, I, you know, that we, we felt accepted and we felt like we belonged from the very beginning. And invariably, in, it always distresses me if I hear of someone that, that, that doesn't sense the love of God flowing through us on this campus because, I mean, that's what we're about. And when we're out in our communities, that's what I want people to know. But let me tell you something, friends. In addition to that, as important as that, maybe even more important than that, people ought to know that whatever happens here that is right and good and true and pure and holy is something for which God gets all the credit. I have uh, in my library of biographies, you folks at First Southern know, that that's just an avocation of mine, reading biographies. I have among those books the story of William Duma, a Zulu pastor from Durban, the Durban area of South Africa. William Duma died in 1977. A remarkable man. He spanned not only generations, he spanned nations. His ministry uh, spanned racial differences in a racially tense area. An incredible man. And as a matter of fact, I could take you today into the homes of missionaries, some of whom would say, did you know that I was on the verge of death? Pastor Duma came to my home. He prayed for me, and God somehow mysteriously, miraculously raised me up. In fact, I see my dad out here. My dad and I have a friend, a friend of some others in this church, who would say, I thought that it was over for me. I was so sick they could not even ship me back home. And he said, I looked up one day and Pastor Duma walked in to that hospital room where I was, placed his hands on my head, and began praying for me. The title of his book is very interesting. The title of the book is Take Your Glory, Lord. And the title of that book comes from a statement which people around William Duma heard him frequently make. Because, you see, God used him in such a remarkable fashion that people were often want to say to him, you know, Pastor Duma, you, you are such a remarkable man. You are such a wonderful pastor. You are a great prayer. And invariably, he would fall to his knees, put his hands over his head, and bow his head below his head and say, Lord, take your glory. Take your glory, Lord. 
Let me say it again. As much as I want us to be known for love, as much as I want us to be known for our mission zeal, as much as we should be known for evangelism as a church family, we ought always to be known as a people who, when God does his mighty works, are careful to give God all the glory to exalt him. Praise is an atmosphere. And then finally this morning, I want to say that praise is an absolute. Praise is an absolute. Over and over and over and over again and again and again in the Psalms, we are not simply told what praise is. We are not simply encouraged to praise the Lord. We are commanded to praise the Lord. And the more acquainted you become with the Psalms, the more you are aware that praise involves everything a person is. It involves his voice. It involves his very being. It involves his, his heart. It involves everything that a person is. That is to praise the Lord. It's always been interesting to me that people who, who talk about the Bible being the inerrant and the infallible and the inspired Word of God would, as far as they're concerned, delete certain portions of the Scripture because the methodology just does not fit their decorum. And yet, in this book, we discover that praise is an absolute. He doesn't say, you know, it might be good if sometimes you thought about, uh, thought about just uh, creating a joyful noise on the Lord. No, he says, make a joyful noise on the Lord. Come before his presence with singing. Praise the Lord over and over. It is an absolute. And I want us to understand this. You know that if you truly know the Lord, in fact, if I truly know the Lord, I will gladly heed the scriptural injunction to praise him. There were times when Israel assembled not to hear preaching, but to corporately praise the Lord. There were times when if there was preaching, it was really praising the Lord. And when people got a glimpse of who God is, what a mighty God it is we serve. All of a sudden, God would begin working in their hearts, and people who did not love the Lord at first, people who did not perhaps know the Lord at first, captivated by this wonderful, refreshing view of God, would find themselves surrendering to God. And so, if I really know the Lord, I will gladly heed the injunction to praise him. It's no problem. It's no trouble. I'll look for opportunities to praise the Lord. This week I was um, listening to the testimony of a man, Tom Pompiano, who was a uh, former mafia gang member, and he was sharing how he'd come to know the Lord. And As I was listening to his testimony, I thought to myself, you know, that guy was really a rotten guy. I mean, God really did a, did a number when he saved him and called him into the gospel ministry. I mean, the guy was just incredibly rotten. And I thought, you know, you know that's really wonderful. I, I don't have that kind of a testimony. The Lord reminded me of something. I have, uh, I have known the Lord now for 47 years. And when I think of how poorly I serve him, 
when I think of what a wicked person I am, having known the Lord for 47 years, when I think of how cynical or critical I can become, when I, when I think of how careless or how lazy I am, when I think of how I can become so indifferent and undisciplined sometimes in spiritual things, often when I see that, I realize that if I am that way after knowing him for 47 years, truly he delivered me from a wicked, wicked, sinful horribly sinful heart. And I want to tell you something. The more I reflect on that, the easier it becomes for me to praise the Lord. No problem. No problem. I, I, I don't find myself being more concerned about decorum than I do about worshiping Him. I... I don't find myself to become more bound by rules unless they are rules strictly found in the Scripture than in worshiping Him. Because if I really know the Lord, it's easy to heed the scriptural injunction to praise Him. Oh, a lot of what's passed off as praise in this generation is not praise, it's just self-aggrandizement. A lot of it is counterfeit. A lot of it is focused on the person and not upon God. A lot of it draws attention to self and not on the Savior. But there is a pure praise. There is a genuine praise. There is a right praise. There is a scriptural praise. And that is praise which is an acknowledgement. It is an attitude. It is an activity. It is an atmosphere, and as a matter of fact, for those who really know him, it is an absolute. I'm going to ask you to bow your heart before the Lord in prayer. Father, as we bow before you in these few moments, our hearts go out to you in praise and gratitude. I pray, Heavenly Father, that even at this invitation time, that you would capture the heart of some man or woman here this morning who would say, you know something? I, I've not wanted to be a part of praise, and I've discovered the truth. It's because I do not know the one I'm supposed to praise. I've, I've looked on with folded hands and, and a heart that was closed when people have praised God, and I've thought, my, that's not seemly, but the truth of the matter is my very attitude is a revelation that I do not know Jesus because to know him is to praise him, and the more I know him, the more I will praise him, and the better I know him, the better I will praise him. So, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will move into this room. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will reveal to each of us the truth of, about ourself. And then, Lord, as this invitation is extended, bring to this altar every person who will say yes to you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. And our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask our counselors to come and they'll be here at the front. Listen carefully. This is your personal invitation to come to Jesus. I'm going to ask those who've made decisions in earlier services to come and be seated in a few moments over here to your right where it says seating for new members, such as those baptized and others. We've not had the privilege of introducing you to your new church family. And so if you'll just be seated over here in just a few moments when we stand. There are those to whom the Lord is speaking about becoming a part of this church family. My, how I would encourage you to do that 
today, this moment, this service, as God prompts you. And maybe you're here by yourself. You might be one of these university students and want to join our church by watch care during the time that you're here in school. This is your invitation to say, look, I want to become a part of this church family. And I would urge you to come and just say that to one of these counselors. Look, I'm coming. We're coming to be a part of this church. And you're saying by that we want to pour out our lives in service to the Lord through this local expression of, of his body, First Southern Dell City. I would urge you to make that decision. If you're here as a family, why not just turn to each other right now and just put your hand on an arm or squeeze a shoulder and say, look, let's go. Let's, let's make that decision right now. If you're here by yourself, just in your heart, resolve, all right? When we stand, that preacher prays, we begin singing. As a part of standing, I'm just going to step out the aisle, find a counselor and say, look, I want to join this church. We want to join this church. I would urge you to do that in just a few moments. It could be that you do not know Christ by faith as your Savior. You are not for sure that if you died, you'd spend your forever with God in heaven. Well, dear friend, this is your invitation to say yes to him. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross because, you see, the wages of sin is death, and he was dying in your place and mine. But he rose from the grave, and he says, I have life, and that will be a gift to everyone who will believe on me. And if you will believe on Jesus this morning, receiving him by faith as your Savior and the Lord of your life, you can be cleansed of sin, have abundant life, have eternal life, have peace with God, have a purpose in life. And I would encourage you wherever you're seated, on this lower floor, in the galleries, in the balcony there, as God speaks to your heart, you make your way to the nearest aisle, make your way forward, say to one of these counselors, I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. Or just, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Others of you may want to come to this prayer altar. Prayer warriors will be coming. Counselors will be coming. You may just need to come and say, Lord, teach me to praise you as I ought. Open my eyes, my ears to what you're saying to me about praise. And I would encourage you to come this morning. If you want to talk with a counselor about some specific issue in your life, this is an invitation for you. You come, you find a counselor. They'll more, be more than glad to arrange for you to visit. As folks are coming, would you stand with heads bowed, eyes closed, Father in heaven, how I pray, trusting that your Holy Spirit, even now, in this moment, will prepare hearts to say yes to you. Oh God, honor your word in these few moments that it might not return void. Stir up within us the heart of every person here to say yes to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin singing. You just step to the aisle, make your way quickly and quietly to this altar as we sing together. That's it. God bless you as you come.